Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Justin? Yeah, Andros. What's the, what's the uh, difference between a nerd and a geek? Oh, that's easy. A nerd is your classical pocket protector wearing, you know, jocks got to pick on them, beat them up kind of person. A geek is a, you know, I don't know. I just got, I was just trying to throw that out there, but yeah, it turns out I, I don't, I, it turns out I don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> if you put say a nerd and a geek in the Thunderdome and gave them a couple of of like lightsabers, I could. What would happen? I would they just while, throw out think, and be like, "Dude, we got lightsabers." I mean, I think the narrative was trying to make like geek cool and then nerd not cool, but I, I don't think that ever quite quite worked out. So I, I don't know what the correct. Uh, verbiage is but uh you know both of them are totally not cool but we, well we're, we're... <laughs> uh, i disagree man those fighting words and uh i think we're gonna have someone who's going to we have someone who is who is representing the uh the nerd culture well you know we are and, representing the geek culture here at that's marketing right geeks. man so it's about to go down in this shit <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we're the marketing geeks All right. Well, our guest tonight is the uh, creator, curator, and uh, main writer for the Effective Nerd. That's not with a V. It's EffectiveNerd.com, uh, a website that talks about all things uh, kind of nerdy and indie art and uh, with lots of resources and also uh, Hypercrumbs, which has just launched hyperchromes.com all the way from Albany, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Ayera. Welcome hey, to the show. Hey, yeah, thank you for having me. And I, I also have to say you are genuinely one of our seven listeners. Yeah, true. I've been listening for a while now. It's one of my favorite podcasts. That's crazy. It's like it's like you you and uh, and my wife. I know two of our seven listeners. Well, on that so. on that note, Andros. I mean, one of the reasons that we discovered Aaron here was that Aaron published an article that was titled, I think it was twenty five podcasts that make me more effective at work. Something I'm paraphrasing the title exactly, but something to that effect. And we were on that list. I think we were towards that- the top even. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing, and so uh, so we had to we had to have you on the show, man. But then when we dug a little deeper down the uh, down the rabbit hole, it turns out that uh, you've got some some interesting things going on. Why don't you tell us first of all, tell us a little bit about EffectiveNerd.com. dot com. Sure. How did it come about? <laughs> so I uh, when I was in grad school, I was having a hard time finding a job with my degrees. And I was actually working five jobs at the time. Oh, my God. What, do, what were your degrees in? Uh, my bachelor's is in gerontology, just like the study of aging. Hmm. And my master's is in nursing home management. So I was really okay. gearing up for a career in elder care. I found that with the baby boomers all hitting the retirement age, that we're going to have this massive shift in our society where there's going to be a large elderly population and I've always loved the elderly. My mom was a home health aide when I was little. So I really wanted to get myself in that industry as much as I could. I was going to ask about the familial connection there. Because usually that's not like something that people are going to pursue like without some sort of connection in the family or a friend or somebody that's in the business. So, you're, so your mom was kind of um, in that business. And is that what initially kind of opened your eyes to, to see like, oh, oh, wow, this is, I want to get in front of this trend because yes, you're absolutely right. There's, it's, um, it's a, an emerging trend that, um, that's, it, it's going to be a growing industry very, very shortly here. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, my mom was a home health aide and I had really strong relationships with my grandparents and I, I read a book before I went off to college. It was, um, I think it was Lauren Pope's 100 Colleges That Will Change Your Life. And I found 
what one of the things he said was that you can get into a better college than you normally would if you're a man if you go to a college that recently went co-ed. So I started looking at colleges that recently went co-ed, and then I found the college I went to, and they actually had a nursing home on campus with a nursing home research center. So it was like a perfect fit for me because I could get in, and then I could also work with the elderly while majoring in uh, elder care. So it was a really really nice experience. Were you able to get college credits for that too? I mean, was that like a, like an internship slash college credit program when you got to work there on campus or is that just um, like more like intern or were you even paid for it? I started off as an intern. Uh, the, col- the college requires that you have internships for junior and senior year. And then I did end up transitioning into, into paid work there. So, uh, what what made you de- decide to pursue that line of work to begin with? I mean, what was it about of all the things you could have learned, and all the the kind of the schools of thought or the the studies you could have done, the the, the jobs you could have looked at going towards? Uh, what was it about elder care? I mean, just personally, was there some sort of thing that you were attracted to, or was did you did you? Uh, I mean, what 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 was that inciting incident? A big, uh, big part of it was my parents worked a lot as a child, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, especially you know in the younger school years where I would get out of school early and then they you know they would watch me. We actually had a growing up we had a house where it was kind of two houses bridged together by a hallway, hmm. and my parents lived in one house and my grandparents lived in another, so I could just walk across the hall and be with my grandparents. Oh, and then with my mom working in elder care, I had a lot of exposure to the elderly as a child. And it was just something I was always passionate about growing up. That's pretty cool. And so, uh, so you pursued that. So, so how did effective nerd kind of sit, like become part of that story? So while I was in grad school, I was, I, I was broke because I had a lot of student loan debt and even though I was still in grad school, my undergrad loan payments were coming in. <laughs> so like I said, I was working five jobs at the time while trying to find a job in my field using my degrees. And I kind of, I didn't really feel good about myself because I was, you know, living in my parents' basement. Even though I, I felt like I had done everything right. I, you know, went to college, I had done everything. And I still, it, it just wasn't all fitting together and me being, you know, a geeky person, you know, I play, you know, I was playing a lot of video games at the time and I just, I was having a hard time kind of building my adult life. And that's when I had the idea for the site because I would go online and I would look for sites that would help you kind of build your life. And most of the blogs that I were finding were either like um, mommy blogs or parenting blogs or business entrepreneur blogs and I didn't really find any websites that really fit me where you know I'm into video games and comic books and underground music and I really wanted a kind of a self-help website that would help geeky and nerdy people and when I couldn't find it I kind of decided to make it and that that's how it got started the original idea of effective nerd was to help people who were in a similar situation as me. I didn't start the site until I had, you know, a degree and I was starting a family and I had a career and everything. And I kind of wanted to give back, you know, to, to the geek community and kind of help people that are kind of stuck in that same situation that I was in. Well, I I mean, to tell you that I, I love that because you, I mean, you're doing, I don't know if you, if you knew you were doing it back then, but you're, you're doing really effective marketing, um, maybe without knowing it, maybe you knew what you were doing, but you, you identified like a really, really tiny kind of sub-niche category. So you, you have, you're qualifying yourself as like a certain type of person. I'm a nerd that's um, in this situation in life, and I want a self-help program for people like me, or I want, I want self-help material articles that I can access for people like me. And, and just by doing that, like you got in front of a, an emer- well, what's what's coming right now is that uh, anyone that wants to run a blog or run um, a, an effective website of any kind of sort is really having to, to niche down to find a specific audience because the generic topics are really, really hard to build an audience around right now. 
um, just because there's so much competition out there and you have like legacy media that's covering kind of like the generic uh, yep. generic aspects of things. And so by kind of narrowing it down, you, you kind of are able to find a tribe that's also going to be more connected to you that, because they're, they're going to be actually associating on a more personal level. So was there any marketing taking place there or was that just like something that you're just like, I just need this for myself. I'm going to create it. Uh, what, what, what happened there? Was there, was there any business acumen taking place in the back of your head there? Or? <laughs> uh, not, not really. I, I started listening to entrepreneur podcasts mm-hmm. to kind of help learn how to start a website. This, this wasn't my first website. I, uh, I had websites growing up, but this was my first website where I said, Hey, I wanted this to be serious and I wanted to try to make money with it. I actually, when I was in grad school, I started listening to Pat Flynn mm-hmm. and he kind of, he kind of helped get, you know, kind of get my feet wet in terms of thinking, um, in terms of business and in terms of strategy like that. But really, I just wanted to create a site that I wanted like, mm-hmm. Oh, it, if effective nerd had existed five years ago, that would have been my favorite website. And that's kind of how I try to keep it. Now, what about your writing background? I mean, so you're, you told us before the show here that you're putting up about five articles every week on this, uh, on this blog site. So do you, were you a strong student in English or writing when you were in high school, college, or was that something that you kind of just adopted a more conversational tone to? Cause I, I hear different backgrounds from different people that get into their writing career. Some of them were like, I was a terrible English student. Some of them were <laughs> different than that. But what was your story in that regard? As far as academics go, I always did really well. I was always in the honor program and everything. But I really attribute my writing style to my biology teacher in college. Interesting. I don't think it was biology. It was uh, abnormal psychology, maybe. Okay, that's a little different. I was so so used to... I had written so many English essays at the point where I almost had like a template in my head where I would just fill in the names of the characters in the books and turn it in. And I hit this psychology class and that stopped working and I was failing. And it was because the teacher hated my writing style. So I spent the semester with her kind of learning how she thought I should write. And she had this very kind of you know, since it was a science class, it's very concise scientific style of writing. And it kind of blended with my kind of creative style of writing. And then I ended up with this kind of weird creative scientific hybrid writing style that I really, I really owe the teacher in that class. Which coincidentally seems to be very SEO friendly. Yeah, definitely. Can, can you explain that that process a little bit? I mean, like, is there like a specific format? I mean, is there like introduction, you know, three points or like, is there is there anything like that that takes place with this? Or is, or is this something you can not explain like in a short period of time for the for the articles on my site? Yeah, yeah. Like your format. Uh, it really de- it really depends if I'm writing an article that I just want to write for me. I usually do the headings as kind of an outline and then I fill out each heading if I am writing something that is more SEO based or keyword research based, what I like to do is take the the main keyword and then, you know, pull a list of the semantic keywords or the LSI keywords. Yep. And when you look at the list of the semantic keywords, you can kind of almost see the story in your head. Mm. And then I kind of lump them together into different categories and then they become the different sections of my articles. I also love involving other people in my articles. So one thing I like to do is I've done over 100 interviews for the website. And what I do is after I interview someone, I take out all their like quotables out of the interview and I put them in a main spreadsheet. And then I list uh, topics next to each quote. And then when I have like 10 or 20 quotes under a specific topic, then I put out uh, like a quote article where that way I can kind of give a second life to my interviews. Smart. Mm, that's pretty cool. So, so uh, I'm curious if you, if you don't mind, because yeah. you know, SEO is always like one of those topics that you, you, there's always like something new to learn. Uh, can you break down your process a little bit? Give us an example of like, like from idea to finish story, how do you use, like, how do you do the keyword research? Yeah. What tools uh, too? 
yeah. And how do you how do you dig deeper when when you start to after you've you've kind of figured this out? What, what's your next steps when you like? Oh, this might be a good article. Yeah, I actually I try to start with the keyword research before I come up with the article, and I do it either two two different ways. One way is I'll have uh, I'll have the idea for the article in my head, and I'll look for keywords that match what I'm thinking, which I notice doesn't always work that well because if I'm talking about independent artists, it's kind of hard because that is such a small group of people. Now, now are you using a tool? Are you using like Google Keyword Planner? Are you using like SEM Rush or Hrefs? Or what? What are you using yep. to do this? I use I use uh, SEM Rush or SEMrush. However. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard someone actually pronounce it. <laughs> I've, I've heard it called both ways. I'm, I'm yep, not, I actually don't know what the official one is. I'm not sure if it's SEMrush or SEMrush. I couldn't tell you. We were supposed to have somebody on the show recently from that company, and maybe yep. we will still, but they, they canceled last minute. <laughs> yeah, it's a really great product. I like I like all the tools that they have. It's a little uh, it's a little pricey, at least for me. Like yeah. starting out, I think it's $100 a month. For the lowest what I yeah. Yeah, what what I did was when I first started off was uh, SEMrush, Ahrefs, and Moz, and any other SEO tool that I could find. I would sign up for the free trial and then cancel. Like I, I, I would uh, make every single keyword that I want to research, sign up for the free trial, run all the keywords, and then cancel. And then I, I did that for the first year of running the site until the site was bringing in enough money where I could afford just buying the membership. Um, and I think I, I think it's a good way to get started. I know pe- some people would say that that that's kind of scummy to just sign up and cancel, but I did. No, I signed no, up for the no free comments. trial. No comments yeah. because they might be on the show in the future here. So, but I did end up purchasing their product, so the free trial worked, right? Yeah. So uh, and and when. Uh, why was it out of all of the ones that you had tried? Why did you settle on uh, SEM Rush? I really like their backlink analytics. Uh, that that helps a lot, and they have a content writing tool, which yeah. also has a WordPress plugin. So it kind of takes over your SEO for your for your website. So you'll actually write an article in WordPress, and the SEMrush plugin will tell you how likely it is to rank yeah. based on how it's written. And it gives you a lot of good tips, similar to Yoast SEO, but I feel it's way more in depth than Yoast SEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and, and that tool has really evolved. It's only been around for like two years, maybe with that, that level of like content writing tool, as far as, um, as far as my awareness goes with, with SEM rush, but I I've used it and it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing tool. Yeah. It works really well. And and so uh, so you just so you just get like some crazy shower thought like uh, uh, just something pops into your head and you're like huh and then you so you'll do the research and you'll see kind of do you do like like main keywords or do you do more like uh, long tail queries like how do you how do you start to figure out what you're going to write about I don't know who came up with it but I try to do the the cluster method where you have one one big article that goes after the main keyword, and then you write smaller articles for all the long tails, and then use internal links to point them all at the big article. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So one, one, so, so wait, break that down again. So, because uh, you, you, you find these different sort of threads. So give me an example. If you can give me kind of a real-world example of how this would, like with your, something you just written recently. Sure. I recently did a few articles on decluttering your house. So decluttering your house would kind of be the the main keyword, and then and that's on that's on effectivenerd.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the the more long tail keywords were declutter your home checklist, how to declutter your bedroom, how to declutter your bathroom. So I made the main article. I, I believe it was called like nine strategies for decluttering your home. And then with that article, I wrote a separate article for each room of the house. And then I also made like the ultimate checklist as, as its own article. Hmm. And I pointed them all back to the main article. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on the, I'm on that blog right now, the ultimate declutter checklist for your home. First of all, you say in this article, you've got a section right on the top and then you have like the little, you know, you've got uh, decluttering checklist before you go to any room. 
room decluttering, living room, kitchen. I mean, you, you basically listed in order what is in the article with links to each of those things. Uh, super SEO friendly. So uh, if somebody's looking for this particular phrase, there's a good possibility this is, uh, this is going to pop up. And, and then you and, link all of that to the main article. Yep. Yeah. Um, and do you write all your own articles on the site? Are these 100% you? Do you outsource any of the writing? And, and how long does it take you to write an article per se, like on average? So I run like the the entire site is just me. So I do I do all of it. I do the had a feeling. <laughs> I do the writing, the SEO, the branding, all of it. I do have friends that will guest post every once in a while because mm-hmm. I am friends with other bloggers and we'll we'll exchange guest posts on occasion. But yeah, for the most part, it's just me. Wow. Uh, how do you find time to do it? Like, how long does it take you to write one article? Depends. I, I've always been a huge uh, note taker. I actually, in grad school, I worked at Sears as a, that was one of my five jobs in grad school, was that I worked at Sears as a television salesperson. And, you know, Sears isn't the best brand. So the store was basically <laughs> empty all the time. And I had grad school homework to do. So I kind of got in this habit of, I would have a topic in my head and then I would kind of like mind dump everything onto a sheet of paper or just free write about it. And then I would go back and fix it up. And that's kind of what I do for Effective Nerd is I have a list on my phone. I use uh, Evernote Mm -hmm. and I have a list of article ideas with the appropriate keywords. And then whenever I have a few minutes of downtime, I look at the title of the different articles, and if I have a little spark in my head, I'll write a few paragraphs. And then if I have another spark about a different article, I'll write a few paragraphs. And then when I actually have time to sit down, I'll put it into WordPress and then actually fix it up and turn it into an article. So I'm not sure how long it takes to make one article, but it is a process of just constantly kind of poking at it until it happens now are you doing any audio or video content also or are you was it like almost 100 percent written content so I, I was doing a podcast i got about i think 10 or 11 episodes in and then i decided to stop I actually I actually removed the podcast yesterday why is that <laughs> uh well i have a six month old at home and oh. he's teething and it's really hard to find time where I can record without there being screaming in the background. <laughs> uh, we're but, familiar with that. But the answer yeah. to your question of when you can record is 3 a.m. That's the perfect yeah. start time. <laughs> <laughs> that, and I, as long as I like you're to, quiet enough where you don't wake the baby, then otherwise, yeah. otherwise just hell to pay for that. <laughs> I like to uh, work. I, I like to work on the websites during the week, like before and after work. I really like to get up really early and you know, get a few hours on the website in before I have to go to my day job. And congrats on the new baby, by the way. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, That's, uh, that's been, this is your first one, right? Yep. Cool. Cool. I, uh, yeah, it goes by quick, man. Mine mine is going to turn six in September. And mine turned two in May. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. And his kid could totally beat up my kid. Yeah. My kid's like three times the size of his five-year-old. Yeah, but uh, what, what's it, what's what has surprised you about being a dad? What's been the cool thing about being a dad for you? Um, I don't know. It it's been quite the experience, but I really like. I feel like over the past few weeks, he's really been growing and developing. Because I felt I felt like the first few months were you know <laughs> you just kind of feed and sleep and feed and sleep, but yeah. now he does something new every week, and it's yeah. super crazy. But the, oh, yeah. Uh, They'll say words like, you know, my mama got faced in the banana patch. A little ways from there still, but yep. you're going to see him start to stand and then start to crawl, start to walk. And that's all. That's like the next phase, which is a lot of fun, uh, having just gone through all that. Now, I do want to get back to the, the topic that we kicked this show off with. Um, can you tell us the difference between a nerd and a geek? Or is there a difference? Um, since oh. Andres, he's, he's so graciously asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so in my opinion, a nerd is someone who's very um, almost like intelligence focused, where you like computers and kind of like math and just really... Like, I feel like a nerd's a lot more academic, where a geek has, like, an obsession 
or an obsessive passion for something. I like like Star Wars or. Can I so, be a nerd uh, geek? Can I call myself a nerd geek of marketing? I think I think that all <laughs> nerds can be geeks, but not all geeks can be nerds. I agree, hundred percent agree. agree. Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. right. Really, really comes down to that. So, uh, so how do you how do you monetize this? That you like you started doing it. How long have you been doing it now? Uh, this is year three, so about two and a half years. Okay, and how do you how do you monetize? Right now, I'm doing. Amazon affiliates for just kind of my bulk of my affiliates. And I also did a had a huge cut on Amazon affiliates, right? That yep, it's you? been awful. <laughs> yep, I had a feeling. Okay. And uh, the other thing is I mostly promote, you know, comic books and small things that don't cost a lot. So really with Amazon, I have to hope that the person buys someone like something else. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I had a guy click on a he clicked on a link for bags and boards for comics. But for some reason, he bought five toilets. So I, <laughs> thank you yeah so i made i made like 50 bucks but five toilets i have no idea why <laughs> I also a lot of fried chicken and probably lives in the white house so um, so uh and and uh and so do you have any like longer range plans with with monetizing these things because you've got you you're you're doing this and you're holding down a day job and you're being a dad uh, well, are is, you doing AdSense also? I didn't, did you, did you finish that? Are you, are you running AdSense in the back? Yeah. Well, so here's what happened. I had, I had AdSense and I was making like five cents a day and it wasn't really worth it. And then I got contacted by a company called Ezoic. Are you familiar with them? No, no, I don't think so. What so they're a, they're an ad management platform where they do, uh, they run your AdSense for you where they have machine learning algorithm for everyone's website. Okay. So it'll take AdSense ads, but it'll show them in the perfect place for your audience. And what do they get? They take a cut? They take, uh, I believe it, they put one ad at the bottom of your site that they take the cut from, and then all the other ads go to you. Okay. And I, I actually made like more than a hundred times more with them. Oh. But I got to a point where my site was running slowly, uh, and I was having some mixed content issues because, you know, my site runs HTTPS. Yep. Most ads run HTTP. So my site was slowing down and I kind of stopped liking that company, Ezoic, where because they wanted you to pay $20 a month for a site speed boost. And I'm like, ah. I work, oh, I work so hard to make my site run fast. And you want you want to charge me for for the site speed you took from me. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's kind of a racket man yeah, yeah it didn't seems sit like, right it seems a little a little shady on that i mean they got you in with the uh with the initial kind of my fin- eh, financial reward but then they slowed down your site in the process which is going to impact your seo ultimately so i um definitely yeah i, I think it's probably good the to other, separate the other thing i didn't like was you, you had to point your name servers at them mm. which i was oh. not not super comfortable oh, with makes sense yeah. but the money was right at first and then i kind of so my my goal for ads now is i want to get up to um i want to get up to the threshold where i can sign up with mediavine i heard people are a lot people like that company a lot more but yeah basically at this point i'm shopping around for a new ad management company that isn't straight AdSense. sense have you experimented mm-hmm. with putting your uh, articles on medium also or some other sort of blog aggregator like that um I, I don't know what the restrictions are if you're allowed to keep them on your own site and medium at the same time or not but have you played with anything like that too i believe i believe with medium specifically they you you post the article on their site but they do give you a canonical link back to okay. your site. Mm-hmm. So that, that does help a little bit. I have posted some underperforming articles on Medium, hoping to give them a boost, but it doesn't really help that much. Okay. I did sign up for like when I first started the site, I signed up for like over 100 of those like free blog aggregators. And the only one that really consistently brings me traffic is it's called, they're called uh, Blog Lovin'. <laughs> no i did because you mentioned traffic you had said uh ahead of the show so tell, tell us tell the listeners how how much traffic are you driving to that site every month effective nerd gets about 10 to fifteen thousand hits or 10 to fifteen thousand sessions which is probably like what twenty thousand hits on average and then my new site hype crumbs which i started a few months ago uh gets about three to five thousand which is pretty fast but that's because 
a lot of the articles came over from an effective nerd, so a lot of the SEO followed. So the site started off on pretty good SEO standing where mm-hmm. a new site wouldn't. And are you tracking user behavior much? Are you looking at like heat maps or anything like that and like how people consume the content or are you just kind of tracking your numbers on hits and things like that? I actually prefer to track keyword rankings mm-hmm. just because that's something that I can directly control where I feel yeah. that looking at the numbers itself, uh, like like just the number of hits doesn't really tell me what I need to do where I can see if SEO is uh, – if my SEO is improving, then I know my site is going to improve overall. That's something that I really try to stress to the artists and the creators that I work with. I feel like a lot of artists and musicians feel that they have to put all their eggs in the social media basket where it doesn't really have a great return on investment, where um, focusing your website towards SEO would really help improve it. I actually had a website... A friend of mine was running a comic book publishing company, and he had a lot of a lot of success writing drawing tutorials, like how to draw a dragon, how to draw a car, mm-hmm. where he would rank for those keywords, and then people would come to the site, and then they would see his comic publishing and buy his comic books through that. So I try to tell creators to have a setup like that if you're an artist or a musician. Okay. And and so have you um, thought about? maybe selling this as a service when you refer to other companies instead of doing the elder care or is like elder care kind of the thing that you really want to focus on? I mean, cause this is like what you do, you could sell this to companies and probably make a lot of money, man, because it's yeah. very effective. Is this a hobby or a business is the question I think, right? <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess kind of both. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would love to have the site be my main job. Like, like that would be awesome. Um, I'm actually in like a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt. So I actually want one of the other reasons why I started the website was to help me pay down my loans faster. Wow. And uh, so my my goal is to with, with the website is to help get me out of student loan debt. But if we're thinking like way further down the line, I would love to have it be my full time job. That said, yeah. I don't really know what steps I needed to take. Mm-hmm. to to begin doing that. Can I ask you about, because you mentioned that you're interviewing people for your articles. So, yep. I mean, are you, are those taking place on like a phone call? I mean, were, were those being converted to a podcast at first there in those, in those 10 episodes that you ran or like, could, I mean, I, I'm just, cause you're already spending the time to interview people. I'm just wondering, like, is there a way of making multiple formats of the content? Just, just, because just because it's you know you're killing two birds in one stone kind of thing um it, w- was that what was happening or how do you, how do you run that or is that more like the way your process doesn't lend itself well to like podcast format for the interviews i do yeah. it via email i have okay. a i have a questionnaire that i have and it may seem lazy that i use a the same questionnaire with every interview, but I do it on purpose because I ask very specific questions like, what do you do to maintain productivity? What do you do when you feel burnout? And since I have a hundred creators all asking the same question, I can then build more content off of that because I have 100 answers to the same question. And the, the podcast was actually, I was basically just reading my blog post. I wasn't reading my blog post, but I would pull up my blog post and use it as an outline, and then I would kind of just talk by myself about the topic. So I was I was essentially converting my blog post into podcast episodes, but not the interviews, so just the actual writing. Hmm. Uh, why, why is that? Like why is what? You, Sorry. Like, how come you didn't interview the people in your podcast? Oh, I honestly just it was something I was planning on, but I wasn't sure how to set it up. Whether, you know, do I record over Skype? Do I record this? I was also having some microphone problems myself, but a friend of mine actually sent me a really nice microphone, which was cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great format, but, um, you know, Effective Nerd definitely, I mean, one of the things I like about it, too, is that you have uh, resources on there simply to help people. And one of the things I, I, I'd love to ask you about is because, you mentioned something, which is this idea of like, you know, trying to figure out how to adult well. And I think I think that a lot of us Gen X, 
you know, and beyond are facing that that exact same thing. I, in fact, I think that the, a lot of what's going on with the rioting and, and the protesting, a lot of it has to do with this idea of like, you know, I don't think you're alone in your in your experience. I think that there's a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of different issues, including like depression and figuring out like how they're going to make it in the world. And uh, it doesn't seem like the, the system, capitalism, as it's set up, I'm a true capitalist, but the way that capitalism is set up seems a little bit retarded. I mean, and I, I don't Careful mean that. Careful with that word. I, I don't, oh. I don't mean, hey, that's not a slight on, on people who are mentally... <laughs> Uh, who, who, have, who are mentally challenged. I'm, I'm talking like the system retards people from moving forward in, in it and, and thriving. So, I mean, how, how do you, uh, do you feel that you're picking up on that zeitgeist a little bit? That's what I try. That's what I try to do. I really like, well, so the fact that I never started off as kind of that about how I wanted to help kind of geeky and nerdy people adult better but about six months into running the site, I realized I, got, I kind of did some analysis, like, oh, I've been doing this for a while. Let's see how it's going. And I found out that my audience was mostly comic book creators, musicians, uh, painters, artists. So at that point, I kind of shifted the site where instead of it just being, you know, like I play World of Warcraft, but I need a better job. It kind of shifted into I'm in debt. And I have a day job, but I really want to be an artist or a musician. And the site kind of focuses on how to take your art and kind of add the business entrepreneur kind of stuff to it. Yeah, yeah that's that's super important. So what, what would you say are the along the way? How does someone make that transition going from, uh, you know, working a, a crummy job that they hate to being like a, an artist that makes from, money from, from starving work. artist to yeah. thriving artist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what the exact path is, but uh, a few things that I find that creators kind of lack, there's kind of this weird me mentality in the art community where if you show that you care about the business side of your art, you're kind of seen as phony. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm really trying to get rid of that kind of negative stereotype where I only make art for money. And I try to show artists that it's okay to care about the fiscal side of your <laughs> art. And because it, it's funny, you'll, you'll see creators who say, oh, I'll never get out of this job because I'll never make money from my art. And then I say, hey, why don't you do this, this, and this? And then they say, oh, well, that's phony. I don't want to be this uptight business person. And, like, kind of helping them find the balance. And uh, yeah. like I said before, I think a lot, of, a lot of artists don't really establish themselves online all that well. Like, I think for every artist, you need a website, and you need a website that is SEO-friendly. Yep. And what I what I encourage, uh, say, musicians to do is every single gig that you play, write a review of the venue, and then mm. you you have the possibility of ranking for that venue. Because a lot of like small bars and stuff don't have great SEO, so that's really an untapped resource. Is you play at a bar, you write a review about how the staff treated you, how the show went, and then now when someone searches for that bar, your review comes up. A lot of times it can come up over the actual bar's website as well. Wow. So, so I think writing about your experience as an artist in a way that's SEO friendly will help drive people to your site, which will, which will then drive people to your art. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard also though. I mean, this is, it's more passive doing it that way because, you know, I'm fine. In fact, uh, I have a client that I'm working with, Right now, and just today, we made the decision to not do any email marketing because uh, it's just too much noise. There's too much competition. Yep. So we have to uh, come up with more unique ways to be seen. And one of those ways is to do uh, webinars and, you know, create a webinar, invite, you know, the, the, those demographic of people that you would want to be in there. Uh, and then create the webinar around around that interest, with, you know, keyworded in that way. So I, I, I think that uh, I think that this is great. But you know, it's amazing because you you also, I mean, you, yeah, you write about nerdy stuff and 
but you also have this really deep knowledge of uh, SEO. And, and have you have you thought about uh, doing that as well as, as a sideline? I would love to. I'm just not sure where to where to start with that. I actually have done SEO consulting, but more for for friends, mm-hmm. where I'll say, "Hey, here here's all of your website data, and then here's a to do list of things that you need to do." And then uh, they'll email me back when they've done everything on on my to do list, and then I'll track their SEO, and I've had some good success with that. Where I've helped, yeah. I've helped certain creators increase their brand. What's unique about you SEO. versus a lot of other SEO consultants is that you're actually, you're approaching it from the perspective of a blogger, not as a business person that's just teaching SEO um, without having the blog on the on the back of it. So uh, I don't know if you listened to our episode um, maybe six months ago with Matt Giovanisi, but he runs uh, he runs a pool care company. That And he basically teaches content SEO, kind of like what you're doing, but he's built a nice uh, multi-six-figure business on the back of that. Yep. And it, it, it's like, so there's, there's opportunities there, but it's like when you approach it, you shouldn't approach it like every other SEO consultant. You should approach it from the fact that, hey, I've ri- I have this website, Effective Nerd, that I've taken from zero to 15,000 hits a month. This is how I did it. Have some kind of a, a course or um, live training and, and sell that because uh, I, I do think that is a more unique approach than your average kind of uh, business consultant that is just like, here's the strategies that, you know, um, but I don't have, I don't have the website on my back end to, to prove that it works kind of thing. So does that make sense? Yeah. And that the hard, I, I've tried doing that. The hard thing I've had is I guess finding clients because a lot of, like I said, I work with a lot of musicians and comic book creators and, and artists, and a lot of them either the the SEO kind of back-end web stuff is just so far over their head or they just don't care about it at all. Yeah. So finding finding people that are interested that aren't already like entrepreneurs is kind of difficult for me. I also, um, well, there's also I get a little bit of uh, imposter opp- syndrome. Uh, sorry, oh, sorry. yeah. I was going to say, there's also an opportunity for you to write articles for those brands, depending on what your bandwidth looks like, because that also takes yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but I'm and sure I, I totally yeah. get the imposter syndrome thing, man. That that is that is so common. I deal with that, you know, myself every day. Uh, it's it, it's 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 very real, you know. Yep. It's like it's like something that uh, I had I had to do uh, I had to do a lot of mushrooms to uh, <laughs> to to get over that. So. Um, so you you just uh, you just start, started uh, hype crumbs too, yep. and hype crumbs is more. You were saying that that's more like mainstream uh, kind of reviews, and I notice here that you've got the uh, you know your first impressions of the uh, Run the Jewels. What do you think of the album? Oh, the I, I love that album. I'm a huge hip hop head, and Rut. I, I was waiting for the album for a long time. So the fact that they not only dropped it early, but dropped it early for free, they, they've been one of my favorite groups over the past few years. And I thought the album was really good. Yeah. Killer Mike, uh, definitely has it going on. That's, that's for sure. Uh, so, so you, you said you decided to like split it because, uh, is it more that you wanted something that was really geared towards, indie and and helping the independent artists and then the other thing is just more about your love for more of the mainstream stuff yeah yeah well what happened was you know the menu on your website can only fit so many categories and i i like having kind of like almost like a five-factor approach to effective nerd which is you know development resources productivity inspiration and culture Right. Those are my five categories. And I reviewed a lot of comic books and a lot of albums. And what I found was if I'm reviewing a comic book that goes under culture, you know, so I found out that I kind of did an audit of my website and I found that 50 percent of my website was under the culture category. Mm. And I was like, why am I going to review all these comic books when they're not even being promoted on the homepage? or being promoted on other parts of the site. So I kind of felt that all of my art reviews were kind of being stifled. 
and deserved their own website. So Hype Crumbs is the kind of like my reviews and my thoughts on art where Effective Nerd is our artist development and kind of blogger development website. So I kind of offer like the full package. So like if a, if a musician has a new album coming out, I will write a review of the album on Hype Crumbs and then interview them on Effective Nerd. Mm-hmm. And then that way they kind of have this crossover, but then they also have their own separate space. That's cool. So, so, um, uh, what are your favorite comics that you're reading right at this moment? I recently read a comic called abducted. It was ran by my friend or it's written by my friend, Zach Herring. And it's cool. Uh, he describes it as, uh, I know it's kind of like a trippy sci-fi kind of story. It's a woman, a woman keeps having like flashbacks and then she gets into a car accident. And when she wakes up, instead of being in a hospital, she's in this laboratory where they find out that she has like these weird mental powers going on and she's in this kind of facility. And then this old, uh, this old like radio host also kind of figures out what's going on and he kind of goes into it and it's, it's really, it's cool cause it's like sci-fi, but it's also very trippy. So it has kind of almost like a Philip K. Dick kind of vibe oh, to it. And, and where do you get something like that? What do you, what, you said your friend made it. Is it a comic that you, uh, is it like a digital or did you, uh, buy it? And, like, did you get, how, how is did it you sold get in it? stores? Is it only sold online or how? Yeah. That comic specifically, they put up on their website for free. Oh, cool. What's that? What's that website? I got to check. I it believe out. it's abductedthecomic.com. Now, are okay. you a fan of like the Marvel movies and like the more traditional superheroes too? Or do you like the more obscure comics um, like abducted and things like that? Uh, I'm not a big superhero person okay. in general. Uh, that said, I, I've seen like Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think I've seen the first Avengers. Uh, I, I do like Batman. Just like grew up on Batman. Oh, yeah. But I I tend to prefer non-superhero stories. I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. That's kind of what reinvigorated my interest in comics as an adult was reading The Walking Dead. Uh, I also like I don't like Chew. Are you familiar with that comic? No. Mm-mm. It's uh, it's it's based in a world where chicken is illegal. So you have like chicken dealers, almost like that episode <laughs> of South Park. Uh. But the other thing is people have superpowers, but they're all food based. So so there's someone who can make guns out of chocolate. They can make knives out of tortilla chips. The main the main character, anything that he eats, he gets like a dead zone kind of psychic impression of. And he's a homicide detective. So he can like bite the corpse and figure out who killed them kind of thing. Yeah. It's how, old really, are, how old are you? I'm curious. I'm 31. You're 31. OK, so you're a little younger than me and quite a bit younger than Andrews. Right on yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what? What do you? We're, we're creeping up here towards uh, towards the end of the show, but since we're on the topic of uh, geekiness, what do you? Uh, give me give me the rundown of the stuff that you're most geeky about, and then I also want to know for like comics and movies and TV shows, what you feel are like the top top. Yeah, geek I, I want to hear some movies things. eventually here. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, for what I'm geeking out about, we kind of talked about this before. I've been playing a lot of Rocksmith, which I know is kind of an older game, but mm-hmm. I play bass. I can play guitar decent, but I can play bass pretty well. And so, being in quarantine... Quick, Rocksmith is the one where you're actually like playing a live instrument. It's like Guitar Hero, yeah, but it's like a yeah, real instrument, With a real right? guitar. Yeah, okay. And then not only that, there's, a, there's a, uh, a, a website called Soundforge, and people can upload their own renditions of different songs. So there's like... I, I think I have like 2,500 songs on Rocksmith. It's like bananas. I just had to so, get clarity, but go go on. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I've been in bands my whole life. So being in quarantine and not being able to play music with people mm. is, you know, it's not, it's not that much fun. So Rocksmith, even though a lot of the songs on Rocksmith I can already play. So the learning aspect of it isn't always there for me. But just the fact that I can throw a song on and just play along with it has really helped during quarantine. That's cool. So I've been doing that a lot. And I have, I have learned a lot of songs as well. But many of the songs that come kind of stock with Rocksmith, I've played with other bands before. Mm. But it's just good to like, actually play the instrument. I also produce uh, hip-hop music. 
So that's something that I've been focusing on during quarantine a lot as well. Do you do beats and like stuff like that? Yeah. Nice. I started, I started off in punk bands as a child and um, by the time I was 16, I was playing gigs almost every weekend and I've been in a handful of bands since, but I kind of got to a point where I was fed up with having to kind of coordinate my schedule with four other people to be in a right. band. So I started teaching myself how to produce uh, electronic music and hip hop. And then I started, I, I'm from the Albany area of New York. So I started going to hip hop shows in my area and really learning about the different artists that live in my area and well, yeah, I've been uh, just teaching myself how to produce hip-hop. You can help us sense. get, like, an awesome intro beat for Marketing Geeks. I think, we, you know, we're, we're happy to play that. So. Yeah, we actually – what we, what <laughs> yeah. we want to do is uh, we, we want to do, like, a like a, like a diss track. Uh, for, oh, yeah. We want to take on, take on Joe Rogan and take on some yeah. of the other big podcasters <laughs> wanna, in space. <laughs> we want to have, like, a total diss, diss down. We, we saw what Joe Machine Rogan. Gun Kelly did for Eminem, and we want to do it to yeah. the top podcasters. That's right. We want to do the $100 million deal for Spotify. <laughs> why, why not? So, oh, yeah. uh, I got beats for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what about, what about uh, like, TV shows and movies? TV shows. Uh, so my... F- my favorite TV show of all time is The Mighty Boosh. Mm-hmm. I don't even and know that, that one. What is that one? It's a British show. It started off as a radio show and I think a stage play, okay. and they turned it into a three-season TV show for BBC. Where can I find it? Is it on – can I get it on? It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu? Okay. I'll look it up for sure. And it's about uh, it's about two guys. One of them's kind of lanky and awkward and into jazz music, and then the other one is like very fabulous and mm-hmm. kind of over-the-top and popular and then they go on these like magical adventures together. Nice. And, uh, and anything current that you're, uh, that you're digging? Yeah. My favorite, my favorite current show, I think they're filming the third season now is, uh, I'm sorry on true TV mm. with, uh, Andrea Savage. I think that show is so funny. I think we, we've watched it all the way through. I, I don't even oh. think I can count how many times, <laughs> how many times it's through. It true TV. Yeah. It's hard to like here in the Netherlands, they don't have the, like I, I have to use a VPN or something to uh, try and, and get that stuff because it's uh, it's not available. Well, what, what about what about movies though? Any any movies uh, recent or um, like all time? Like any classic movies that you're uh, that you? Yeah. Know? What are your favorite favorite movies of all time? The, the most. Give us a couple. Yeah, it was like five. Movie. Yeah. Uh, my favorite movie. I tend to like uh, like horror and like weird psychological movies. Okay. So I like uh, like Memento and Fight Club. Yep. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I like the Saw movies a lot, despite okay. all their problems. <laughs> I almost <laughs> wish they had written the entire story for Saw before they made the movies, and they made it like a tight four or five movies instead of just eight all over the place. Kind of like movies. the most recent Star Wars trilogy, they should have written it first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do, do you want to hear my? Do you want to hear my uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy on uh, Star Wars? I'm going to actually say it out loud. Oh, Go for it. Okay, Please. so. So I, I actually there's a part of me that now I don't buy, buy into like any of the you know Illuminati anything like that. I believe that there are forces that definitely make things happen. But uh, you know in in the Star Wars universe, Disney would be the empire, right? Uh, and 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 when I was a kid, you know Star Wars came out in 1977. I was I was born in 1970. I was seven years old. Nothing was like that was like that was it. Star Wars was it. And uh, and everybody wanted to be like with the rebels and have a lightsaber and be a Jedi, right? Nobody, there, there was you couldn't buy like a Darth Vader T-shirt or or uh, you know Stormtrooper T-shirt. But but in in this current trilogy, uh, there was a lot of marketing around the dark side. It was all like it seemed True. to be more heavily skewed towards the dark side. And I actually think that on some level, Star Wars it so inspired hope and made people aware of what the evil empire really is. Uh, it was it was a cultural shift, right? Uh, it, it put a whole new new terminology into our culture, and uh, I, I think that the powers that be don't have it in the best interest to make people uh, feel like rebels. I think that they think that the that the empire is cool, so we should all be part of the empire. So I think that it was a deliberate <laughs> attempt to dismantle the star Wars universe in a way that was going to make them a ton of money, but also make people not care about it. Anymore. 
anymore. Maybe, so, uh, maybe. Yeah, that's my that's my <laughs> my conspiracy tinfoil hat theory. Uh, what, what do you think, Aaron? Any any feedback on that? Kind of excited. Like if they're shifting towards leaning towards the dark side, I kind of see that in a, almost like a cultural sense. So we have we seem to have had a shift towards negative emotions culturally, mm-hmm. where like just think about how toxic like a lot of the social media platforms are. Mm-hmm. So I think I think people like that, and especially from a from like a marketing standpoint, you have like negativity seems to sell really well, especially on social media. So I can I can definitely see where they would kind of lean towards the bad guys a little bit. Yeah, yeah. because uh, the the only way I can explain the 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 trilogy, the last Star Wars trilogy, was that you had to go out of your way to make something that awful. I mean, it, it was it was uh, unbelievable. So, well, Disney uh, is the empire, and they're promoting themselves in a way, right? It's all a big metaphor. Wait, I gotta ask. I gotta ask one question though, because you mentioned Fight Club, and I'm a big, big Fight Club fan. Um, and I would really love to get Chuck Polinuk, the author of Fight Club, on this podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I think that'd be probably a tough get. He's he's a very interesting guy. If you've ever listened to his interviews, they're like some of the most graphic conversations you'll ever hear in your life. <laughs> they're yeah. very interesting. Yeah, he's my uh, second favorite author. I've read. I was going to ask if you read the books a, too. You do a, lar- a large portion of his books. I've read Fight Club. Um, Fight Club. I, I read the novel, and then I, I own all of Fight Club Two and Fight Club Three. Did he uh, did he already do Fight Club three? I didn't even realize that one was out yet. Yeah, I believe I believe the full run of the comic is done. Okay. Oh, really? I didn't even know that there was a comic. They're graphic uh, no- uh, graphic novel comic uh, releases for Fight, Fight Club two and three. Yeah. And 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 Chuck Palahniuk wrote those. Yep. It wow. gets real. It gets real meta. Oh man, I got to the point where it's like hard to understand, but it's <laughs> it's really cool. I love shit like that. I gotta I gotta check that out. I had no idea. I had no idea. So, uh, and uh, you said it's your second favorite author. Who's your first? J.D. Salinger. Oh yeah, not yeah. Theodore Sturgeon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, do you do you uh, buy into the the uh, theory that uh, J.D. Salinger actually was writing a book a year but never published them? And then he, there's like a ton of J.D. Salinger books that no one has ever seen. No, I never, I never even heard of that. Yeah, actually, yeah, the, the rumor goes is that every year uh, he would go to the, his bank and drop a package off in the safety deposit box, and uh, he uh, he apparently was writing novels but just didn't want to even publish them anymore. Hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I uh, when I moved into the house I currently live in, I found a like an original copy of Catcher in the Rye in the attic. Wow. That the last people have left. And uh, I read it. I, I want to say it was maybe like 11 or 12 at the time. And it was just my favorite book. And I read it like it's funny because being a child and then being a teenager and being an adult, like that book, every time I read it, it reads completely differently throughout the course of my life. Yeah. Actually, my uh, my son's name is Holden. Oh really? Because that's, that's cool. It's my wife's favorite book as well. Holden Coalfield. Hey, did you uh, did you ever see that movie Igby Goes Down? I did. Uh, you, you didn't? No. Oh, you should see it. It has. Um, uh, it's it's really really good. Uh, it's called Igby Goes Down. It has uh, what's his name from Jurassic Park? My Sam Neill. Uh, no, the other guy. Oh, uh, Goldblum. Yes, thank Jeff you. Goldblum. I, I, I <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's in it, and uh, uh, it's it's it seems to me that somebody along the line went, uh, I, I want to make a Catcher in the Rye movie, and they couldn't get the rights, so they did this. Instead. <laughs> oh, cool! But it's good. It's really really good. So uh, if you get it's kind of old, but I, if you get a chance to see it, Igby goes down is pretty. Has Macaulay Culkin's brother in it? He nails uh, it. Rory. He nails it. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's really good. Really, really great. Well, uh, Justin, what are you what are you geeky about right now? Um, man, well, I got this new microphone, so getting all this setup going. Uh, kind of excited about that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I haven't really dove into a lot of movies. Actually, I did watch the the new remake of The Invisible Man, which was uh, it is it, it okay. It was uh, decent. I mean, it was it's worth a watch. I think. Um, I wouldn't go out of my way to call it like good or great, but it was uh, it was it was watchable. How's that? That's a great Elizabeth review, Mothos, right? <laughs> she's she's fantastic. Yeah, Mothos, like, it, it's hey. a good moment. It definitely had some good moments in it. 
yeah, okay. I, I've been, I've been, it's there. It's yeah, it's there. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, as for me, I think I mentioned last week, I, uh, I, I binge watched with my wife uh, Fleabag on Amazon Prime. That's right. Yeah, I it's, still, don't, still haven't a, looked at it yet, but it's a total binge watchable show. It's it's one of the better things uh, that I've seen. And I also mentioned that I started watching Picard and. <laughs> I went in like I, I was so excited about the show and literally 30 minutes into it. I'm like, this this sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, sure enough. It, it's really, really sucks. So, I watched the first episode of Picard and I, I didn't have as viscerally negative of a reaction, but it was definitely not like all that great. And you didn't watch episode two. Right? I didn't watch episode two. I didn't make it that far. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, final question. Uh, what what do you think? Where, where are we cosmically in what's happening right now? What do you think? What do you think is really going on with our our culture, our planet, our world, the way that people are reacting? Uh, what do you what do you what, what do you foresee the next steps being in the next few years? That is an incredibly heavy question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're seeing. Uh, I think kind of what we're seeing is. Uh, almost like a realignment of expectations where at the same time, we're also almost seeing like a, a huge cultural shift at least towards, uh, I guess the way we treat other people and the way that we run businesses. I think COVID has a huge impact on our society. I think we're going to see a lot, a lot more people working from home, Yeah, which I am a huge advocate for. Cause even think, um, I was talking about this with someone the other day where if you have a 20 minute commute to work, that's one week a year in the car. So get like, if you can get everybody working from home, then you're freeing up just weeks and weeks and weeks in just everyone's lives. And I feel that'd be a huge, uh, stress, stress relief for people. And I think it would really help us, you know, be more productive in things that matter, such as, you know, our, our culture and our yeah. politics instead of having to just worry about, you know, like wake up, eat, go to work, eat, yeah. go to bed. You actually have this time to kind of develop yourself more outside of your profession. The, the only potential downside, the only potential downside to, to no commute is, is the marketing geeks listeners that, um, that like to listen in the car, but might not listen otherwise. That's the only downside I can think of. That is, that is a downside. <laughs> yeah. You've got to admit, maybe we should just be shorter. So people like can do yeah. it while they're eating breakfast or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it's been a pleasure right. having you on the show. Um, Aaron, I, uh, go to, uh, go Effective to nerd.com, sign up for uh, the newsletter. You get nerdiness right into your inbox. Uh, yeah, man, I want to have a longer conversation with you about music and, all sorts of things. So definitely, uh, we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. This was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Aaron Iora, everybody. Woo! That was cool, man. I, I, I just love, I just love the 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 fact that uh, uh, you know he's just geeking, he's just geeking out. And, geeking out. Uh, he's a yeah, he's a very doing, authentic. That's like he's a very authentic. Totally dude. authentic, like, man. Yeah. I like that dude. I want to hang out with him. I wish I, I lived close uh, to America. No, not right now. I don't. But uh, <laughs> no, he. I would. I would. I would so hang out with that guy. Uh, but he's got to get him uh, to come to you. That's all. Get him to come to you. I've been trying to get you to come to me, and um, I believe alas. the travel bans, or if there are, are still in effect. No, I think I think that Europe <laughs> is actually shutting down anyone coming from America. So probably because our caseloads are are growing over here. Yeah, maybe a second, dude. So uh, righteous, and uh, and you holding down the fort over there in the, in the holding down the fort. I uh, got my new microphone. Uh, excited Sounds about great. that. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, yeah, hopefully it comes out pretty good here. And, this is the uh, Sure. What is it? This is the Sure SM7B. So the Sure SM7B I've upgraded from the beginner mic, which I, I always tell people, you know, any USB mic is pretty much a beginner mic. But I was running the Yeti Blue, which is a really like middle of the road microphone, not not ideal for podcasting. This is the Sure SM7B. Uh, this is the mic a lot of uh, top podcasters use, and uh, so far so good. Yeah. Well, put a, put a link to your Amazon. Uh, of course, of account. course, or my Walmart Down. affiliate, depending on who pays more. 
Yeah, well, I will. Uh, I may buy one from you, man. I mean, I like this mic; it's pretty good. But uh, you know, I don't I, like. Who who sounds better? Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Who sounds better? Leave a comment. You know, probably you. <laughs> people people say that I yell too much. Yeah, you do. But I, I you know, what I really want though is uh, <laughs> I want I want to get those beats from Aaron, and and I want to we want to get some diss tracks going, and, and maybe like maybe some new theme song for a while in the beginning there too. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time we upgrade. We got to upgrade. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen. And with that, we are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks, come on, bring your friends. We'll learn marketing from distant lands. Uncle Sturgeon and Justin Nomack. Fun will never end. It's Marketing Geeks. Out. Stay classy.